Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast, and I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we are helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we are giving you scriptural motivation and strategies, my friends, to help you. That's right. Get out there and get some stuff done. For the King, King Jesus, that is. I'm telling you, we are so honored. We're privileged to be here with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. And listen, I want to say thank you. If you've been praying for us, if you've been championing this podcast by subscribing or sharing or telling your friends about this, listen, I want to say thank you. You have helped us tremendously. And we're nearing the close of 2022. We're about to head on into 2023. And I'm just really excited about the possibilities of working together with you and the Lord in 2023. It's going to be amazing. Hey, something that uh, I want to remind you since we're coming into the kind of the holiday season is we have made uh, CDs available or we produce CDs of every podcast episode. And I know you're probably listening, uh, listening to me right now via some sort of digital platform. But listen, if you know somebody, uh, this is what we have discovered. Several people, lots of people, um, they prefer to, you know, listen to content via CD. And there's various reasons for that. But um, so here's, here's what our team said. Let's make it available for people. If there's a particular episode or, you know, a thought or a topic that would really be a blessing to them, but they just, you know, aren't able to really get it via the digital way, well, then we'll get you a CD. And so if you're thinking of somebody, especially during the holiday season, if you're thinking of somebody that would be blessed by having a CD of one of the podcasts, listen, it would be our honor to just mail it to them at no charge. So if you'll reach out to us at 870-741-9099, or you can send us an email at hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Let us know who and where, and we would be honored uh, to just mail it to them. I'm holding one of the episodes in my hand right now. This was episode 119. And uh, we, we titled this one Strategic Pit Stops, and it's a hearing checkup, making sure that we're hearing correctly, um, you know, coming off the racetrack and doing a uh, spiritual checkup. And so, you know, that, that was a great episode, and so that's an example. If you know somebody that would be blessed by that, we'll just mail it to them. All right, let's jump into the podcast today. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm looking forward to a great time together with you. And you know, I've been um, ministering on this thought uh, here at our church in Harrison, Arkansas. Of course, I pastor Grace City Church in Harrison, Arkansas. And um, the Lord was encouraging us over the last, you know, week, couple weeks here. He was encouraging us about occupying our place. I want to kind of dump, uh, jump into that today because um, that is our first consideration. We are a spirit. Now, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis in the natural part of themselves. That's the part that we're most familiar with. Um, you know, if, if you think about that we were dead unto Christ, or, okay, there was a spiritual death. When we were born again, we were raised unto new life, but, you know, um, really we were dead unto him. We were alienated from the life of God. Of course, that's no long, longer the case now. 
And because we're alive unto him, we are uh, developing, realizing and developing, recognizing that there is a whole spiritual reality and that we have spiritual senses and that we are a spirit, not just a physical body. And we're not a mind floating in the ethers. We are actually a spirit and we can commune and interact with him. In fact, we find out from the scriptures that God is going to commune with you directly via your spirit. Your body becomes a derivative, but he's not going to start there. And uh, so as we're coming to that understanding, the scriptures are also uh, revealing to us that we have a spiritual work. And while there is an outworking, there is a demonstration, very tangible, that's the natural, but that, uh, that itself, again, is a derivative of our spiritual work. And so there's a spiritual place and there's a natural place. A lot of people put more emphasis on the natural place at the expense of the spiritual place. Uh, let me give you something that would just maybe very simply catch you up with what I'm trying to say here. Um, if you're just doing a bunch of busy work without checking in, inquiring of the Lord, it was even said of King David, he inquired of the Lord. That's one reason why he was so successful. He had a relationship with God. And out of that spiritual communion and fellowship with the Father came all of the natural um, outworkings, meaning everything in the natural was a derivative or came subsequent to him checking in with the Father and saying, what's going on here? So if you're not praying, you could be just doing a lot of things in the natural that may not have the results that you think they'll have. Let's look at something as we dive into this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And here we see something just, it's very simple, but it, it, it is speaking to this principle here. And he's talking about that there is no other foundation that can be laid, which is Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, uh, wood, hay, or straw, he's saying each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work, which sort it is. Now, listen, there's a lot of things that we can be doing. Now, principally, he's saying don't build. Of course, uh, the precious stones are, are people. Uh, we're not building upon, or we need to watch what we're building upon the foundation of Christ. You can, obviously, it's alluded to here, you can build other things, but all it's all going to be tested by fire. And so the principle that I want to draw here for what we're talking about is no matter what it is we're building, we can build uh, a whole lot of things. Um, but if the Lord was to put a test to it, if it wasn't born of the Spirit, then the reality is that it was born of the flesh. Remember that in John, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so you can have all these works in the natural, but if they were just born of the flesh, when the fire gets put to it to test it or to refine it, um, if it's just born of the flesh, it's going to be burned up. There's not going to be any eternal rewards associated with it. But if you inquire of the Lord, inquire of the Spirit, fellowship with Him, you get understanding of His plan. You know, the book of your life, Psalm 139, is opened up to you in that place there. Then from there, you take the revelation, the leading, your instructions, whatever adjectives you want to use to describe that. And then from there, see, something was developed there first. Then you turn to the natural, and then you begin, uh, begin to build according to the blueprints that were revealed to you. When the fire gets put to that, to either test it or refine it, those will have lasting rewards and fruit that remains. 
That's the other thought that I want to add in into this is that we should be concerned with fruit that remains. What is fruit that remains? Well, it's um, activities, mandates, missions, um, you know, our work, um, you know, that which we're putting our hand to, our passions, they should all have first been birthed in the Spirit. Fellowship with Him. Whatever He reveals, and then we put our hand to, and we walk it out, or we build it out, or, you know, uh, whatever that subsequent work, you know, faith without works is dead, whatever that subsequent work is, if it was born of the Spirit first, it will be fruit that will remain. The fire will truly refine it, and it will be lasting, and it will produce eternal rewards and fruit that the Father will be pleased with. These are things that we need to be considerate of. And so when we talk about occupying our spiritual place, it is true that we could just occupy a place in the natural. But again, if the fire was to be tested, uh, or if, 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 if the fire was given to test and or refine, if we're just occupying a natural place, all that's going to be burned up, all of our efforts, all the time we spent, all that emphasis placed on that will be for nothing. In 1 Corinthians, it said it will be made obvious the results of this work. And we want work that will remain or fruit that will remain. So we want to develop our spiritual place. How do you do that? Well, you start with prayer. You start with communing with him, fellowshipping with him. There is a place in the spirit that you occupy that when that place is contended for, uh, every demon in hell knows, hey, listen, these people mean business. There is something that has been developed here in the spiritual place that has given way to an authority in the natural place. Some people, again, because we were alienated from this spiritual reality and realm, we put all of our eggs in the basket of the natural realm. And so there's a lot of activity to develop a natural place. But I'm saying if, if there is no spiritual place, if you have not developed yourself in him in that spiritual place, if you are unaware that you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of, of the Father in Christ Jesus, if you're unaware of that and all your emphasis is just here in the natural, well, you may not really have a spiritual place that has been developed uh, and that doesn't have any substance to it. The main objective is to develop our spiritual place. Um. Let me see here. Let's see how we can jump into this a little, a little bit further. So we want to occupy that place. One thing that the Lord was ministering to us is to not be so concerned with numbers. Remember how the Lord told David, he said, don't number Israel. Now, there, there are some other places where there was some numbering done. But here the Lord specifically brought David to a place of remembrance that, hey, look, if you go and, and you number Israel, then the temptation is to put all your hope and strength in your numbers, you know, in the size of the army or, you know, how much gold or how much money you have in the bank or whatever. Uh, this is very tempting for you and I even to put so much emphasis on how much of a thing we have in the natural. You know, in particularly, if you're trusting God, let's say to live by faith, very generically, living by faith, like Matthew 6, where don't worry about what you shall eat, what you shall wear, those, those type of things. The temptation is very strong to start 
counting how much money you have to start pinching, you know, pennies in from this perspective that, hey, uh, I'm not going to be able to eat if I don't have $25 by the end of the month or whatever. You know, I'm just making something up here. But if we're going to live by faith, then all of our hope and trust is not in the amount of money in the bank alone. Now, listen, I'm not saying that there's not place for having prudence uh, to be accountable with what you're doing. Uh, there's wisdom to be had. Yes, 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 yes. What I'm saying is, though, so many people have developed so much of their life that is de- dependent upon their ability to budget and to calculate, and this amount of money will do this much, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes that militates against um, uh, being in a place to where God has to come through for you. Uh let me see here. One time, and uh, I'm trying to think of how he said it exactly, but one, one time my pastor said this. He said, sometimes you need to intentionally create a faith crisis. And he said, well, how would you do that? Well, you would take your grocery money for the month or for the week, maybe. Maybe he said week. Take your grocery money for the week and sow it to somebody. Give it away. Well, what would that do? That would immediately force you into a faith crisis (laughs) because here you have budgeted, you had allotted and totally you're a good steward. You're very practical. That's awesome. But sometimes we put so much in that. Maybe we don't realize we put so much in that. And, uh, some, sometimes God is going, look, you have this so figured out in, in the natural, what can I do? You know, it's like the Lord's going, I, is, is there a place for me? Is there anything I can do? Like you have this so meticulously figured out. God's going, how can I help you? Like you have it figured out. Um, so sometimes we may need to uh, review this. What is that? Well, it's making sure that you actually have a spiritual place developed that is the predominant place of your outworking and you're not relying so much on the natural. Uh, I'm going to give you a story here in a minute that's going to help support what I'm talking about. But this is why the Lord told David. Uh, again, in other places, it was appropriate, right, that, that they did some counting, they did some numbering, et cetera. Like if you go back and you look at uh, some of the things the Lord told Moses. But then again, Moses was building the house of the law. David was way ahead of his time, and he was moving in the realm of faith. And the Lord said, look, I don't want you to number Israel because the temptation will be that you're, you will rely on those numbers, especially as you compare yourself against someone else. Like, well, you know, we have, you know, 10,000, you know, um, of this type of soldier. We've got 5,000 of, you know, these trained guys. You know, we've got 30,000 of, you know, these skilled people. You know, we have 100,000 of, you know, um, farmers, you know. And, 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 and so, you know, again, I'm not saying this is all wrong. Okay, but the temptation would be that you would have all these numbers and then you would use these numbers to compare yourself against someone else. And the Lord said, listen, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to rely on your own strength. I want you to rely on me. The Lord was for sure letting David know, listen, your success has nothing to do with how many there are of you. Your success has everything to do with whose you are. And this is why at times where it may be appropriate, where we need to remind ourselves, 
And the only way to do that is to lean on that. And so one practical uh, way to <laughs> evaluate that is um, intentionally create a faith crisis. Listen, we say God supplies all of our need according to his riches in glory. Well, that can become rote. That can become habit. And while we say that on a Sunday, that may not be the reality on Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, etc. And uh, really, you and I want to so develop ourselves in him that we're not moved by what we see in the natural. Remember, Paul said, he said, look, I have found this place of contentment in my gain or in my loss. Uh, now, we're faith people. We believe that God provides. We believe that God is a God of overflow. But um, Paul made it very clear that there were some times where food wasn't you know, readily accessible. There were experiences that he went through as he was obeying the will of God, shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, prisoned. But his hope and his confidence wasn't in what he was experiencing or in what he was able to calculate naturally. He found a place of contentment in Christ. Yeah, right now, yeah. I mean, maybe I don't have a plan for dinner, but that's okay. Why? Because my spiritual place, man shall not live by bread alone. (laughs) Well, Justin, we got to eat. Yes, but ravens could bring me something. But if I haven't developed my spiritual place, if I don't occupy my spiritual place, all all of my hope and expectation is then in the natural. And there can be a whole lot of activity, work, uh, movement, busy, 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 trying to develop these things in the natural where everything that we can see naturally, feel naturally is protected, uh, taken care of, uh, secure. Our confidence is that, yes, I've got everything I need. Now, there is uh, prudence for future planning, okay? Uh, But that's, I think you understand that that's not the point that I'm talking about. Uh, We're not saying it's wrong to prepare ahead of time or to do any of these calculations. What I'm saying is it would be wrong at the expense of developing yourself in him in a spiritual place. This is what I'm talking about. We're just prioritizing this. Maybe we haven't visited this. It needs to be revisited. Maybe we haven't considered. Where, Where am I in my spiritual? Do I even occupy my spiritual place in him? Listen, you are a child of the king, the most high God. There is a place for you at the right hand. Is that even within our wheelhouse? This is my conversation today. We're not judging anybody. I'm judging myself, but but I'm saying out of that place in the spirit, this is what Paul was saying. He said, I've come to this place where I'm content. Paul, how could you be content? You don't have dinner plans tonight because he developed his trust and confidence in the Lord who said, I have never seen my seed forsaken nor begging for bread. See, that is a spiritual place where no matter what I see in the natural, I trust my heavenly father. The Bible says that two sparrows can fall in the wilderness and he would know about it. Uh, You understand? Uh, These sparrows could be sold in a market, and God knows exactly what's going on with them. How much more 
valuable are you than the sparrow or the grass of the field? Remember this? That's a spiritual place. And sometimes we work so feverishly building in the natural at the expense of the spiritual place. I'm saying if he was to test your works, though, will that fruit even remain? Now, we could apply this to a lot of different things. Um, You know, for example, people just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. They build and accumulate and all their efforts, money, materials, whatever may go into this, 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 this. Again, if all those plans, if all that activity, if all that busyness, if all that work wasn't birth of, of, of the spirit, then it was birth of the flesh. And if the flame is to get put to that, all that's going to be burned up and there will be no lasting fruit or any reward that would come out of that. Okay, now that's, um, I think you can fit yourself in this story. So maybe, you know, if you're a minister or you have a ministry, listen, you can do a lot of ministry. You can be busy, 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 busy. But it, it, is it born of the flesh? Is it just, are you trying to secure your natural place? Are you trying to make something look in the natural like you got it going on? But if it wasn't born of the Spirit, if he was to test it or refine it by fire, if it's not born of the Spirit, it's going to burn up. There'll be no fruit that remains, uh, and there'll be no eternal reward. So whether you're applying this personally, individually, or you're applying this corporately, like on behalf of a ministry, say, these are considerations. Have we developed ourselves naturally at the expense of spiritually? Now, there are things spiritually that are developed that may not have the kind of natural outworking to where you're going to get doted on by man. Now, anybody who's uh, looking at you after the spirit, remember they talked about this, don't regard people after the flesh. A lot of temptation, lots of temptation to regard people after the flesh. And you judge people by what you see. God even said, man looks at the outward, but I look at the heart. Listen, there are people that are going to be immensely rewarded in heaven. He's going to call for some people to come up and receive rewards, and you're going to go, what in the world did they do? Like, but see, you're all, you're, the temptation for you and I would be to judge all this after the flesh. Well, they didn't have 10 buildings. They didn't have a million dollars in the bank. They didn't do all this mission work. No, but they prayed. They obeyed God. No matter what he said do, they did it. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not thinking of anybody, but I'm just saying um, the reality is that you can have all this activity in the natural and none of it was led of the Lord. It was just good ideas or a committee of ideas, right? It was... um, Maybe it was a board of people that said, this is what we think uh, we should do. And everybody agreed on it. And so they did it. And God said, well, I never told you to do that. That's, that's quite, quite possible. Even on the natural. You know, we're thinking just people who have done visible things in the natural are going to be the ones rewarded. Well, there are things done in the natural, but you can't quantify it because it came out of prayer. People that have been used of the Lord in prayer to affect nations, presidents, rulers, kings, people that have prayed people into salvation, intercession and travail, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people that have been born again. And you know what? It may have not, the reward may not go to the evangelist. Now he's a part, he shares in the reward, but what about the the man or the woman? 
or the child or the teenager that had spent months and months in prayer claiming souls for the kingdom. You know, and, uh, you know, we think, well, just this visible person who had the evangelistic association, you know, they're going to reap all the rewards. And then here God calls 10 people that you didn't even know their names and rewards them for being obedient to pray. I mean, that's an example. See, they had developed themselves in the spiritual place. And because of that, there is fruit that is associated with their natural outworking. Prayer would be a natural outworking of the spiritual mandate, the call or the mantle, whatever, to pray. Um, Just because they didn't build a building doesn't mean they didn't obey God. Now, if you're anointed to build, you need to build. There are people that are anointed to build, but they're not building, you know, not picking on anybody, but there's, so the spiritual place is the priority. That is the priority. He says, occupy until I come. Occupy, do business. Well, obviously, he is first speaking to the spiritual place because he said, I, I'm going to give you power and authority to trample over all snakes and scorpions, over all the works of the enemy. I'm going to give you this. Uh, I'm going to authorize you to uh, enforce the spiritual, the kingdom's dominion over the works of darkness. And, you know, there will be a natural outworking to that. But I'm saying Jesus said the kingdom is where? It's within. It's a spiritual place. Develop yourself there. Be known there first. Then you'll start seeing that you're, the, the fruits of that work or the work associated with that developed place will have lasting fruit. It'll have fruit that remains, and it will produce rewards. Hallelujah that bring a, a, a contentment. Ah, man, thank you, Father, for helping us with this. We want to re- reach that place where we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved. We're, we don't determine our worth by these natural things, which could just burn up. In fact, the natural outworking, even buildings, they're going to just poof. But, but the spiritual place the work that was done in the spirit that had the building as a derivative, if you obey, he's saying that's the fruit that will remain. Listen, there are things that Father wants to accomplish, but unless someone occupies a place of dominion authority in the spirit, he's unable to do what he would like to do. Again, this is where we want to start. We want to make sure that we have not overlooked um, how am I being developed spiritually? Am I even giving priority to developing my spiritual place and occupying my spiritual place? And Do I just look at the natural and say, well, I need to do one, two, three, A, B, C, but is that connected or a byproduct or a derivative or is that work prompted by that place in the spirit, those instructions, um, that leading that I got from him in that spiritual place. Um, back in 2021, I did a message here at our church called Occupy Your Place. And it was very clear that God kind of revealed to us, and this is what I'm suggesting to you, that he would rather we develop ourselves to where we could occupy or hold a place in the spirit rather than just a natural place. And just recently, my wife and I were able to minister to this, uh, this to somebody 
and they uh, have a ministry and uh, you know, they, they had some things happen, some people leave, et cetera. And they were kind of feeling a little bit, um, you know, I, I, I mean, no one likes it when people leave your ministry or whatever, but you know, they were kind of feeling some of the pressures of that natural place. And we just encouraged them and said, Hey, look, you are known in the spirit. You've been contending for something. You've been laboring diligently in the word of the Lord. You've done what God has instructed you to do. Don't rely so much on who comes or who goes. Listen, some of that is beyond our control. Now, I totally agree. You know, we shouldn't um, be so inconsiderate that, you know, we're not aware of our attitudes and actions, but that, that is such a, that's not their situation. That's not their problem. They're very gracious people. But, 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 but in just a moment of weakness here, they, they were counting how many there were of them. Okay. So easy to quantify that and use those numbers to judge whether or not you've obeyed God. And I, and, and, and in this situation, we just ministered to them and said, Hey, look, you are obeying God. It is obvious you have such a presence in the spirit. Like you have developed something here and the enemy's just trying to lie to you. He's trying to get you to look at the numbers. He's trying to get you to look at how many there are. And the enemy's saying that you've lost ground, that you know, you're know uh, you're losing ground because of X amount of people are no longer here or whatever. Well, you know that the Bible says, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And that's what we were ministering to this couple. Listen, God can still do what he wants to do through the, and what they thought, the few. Uh, they, you know, when you stare at the tree, you kind of forget the forest, Right. Uh, but but we were just encouraging him, listen, God can God can still accomplish. All he needs is a few. He'll work with many, but he doesn't always get many. Like they're like uh, you know, if, if you look at Gideon's story, he had what, thirty thousand? Is that what it was? He started out with like thirty thousand people, but God said this, hey, look, tell every tell anybody that's that's afraid that they can go home. Listen, that's a real that's a real reality right there. Some people are just not confident. And God's saying, hey, look, I'm not going to force you. If you're afraid, then go ahead and step out. All right, and that's a real reality. Well, in Gideon's situation, they had already numbered the enemy. It was like 120,000 people or something. You know, it was a bunch. And here they they were. They only started out with 30,000 to start with. And then God said, look, if you're afraid, then go home. So that was kind of the first uh, adjustment to his ministry. And then there was a test. Okay. He got down to what was it? Uh, 10,000. And then the Lord said, look, I want you to test the hearts of these men. Well, after that test, there was only 300 men that the Lord could actually use. So listen, we can't get our focus on the natural place. You know, saying, man, if I just had 30,000 people, we could really do something. Well, God wants to say, well, I can still do that. And more, I can do above what you could even imagine with 30,000. I can do more with 300 than you could even conceive with 30,000. That's that, that's what the Lord's saying. And so God was able in Gideon's situation 
to do mighty things with 300 people that had the right heart, that were in this together. They were unified. They were in one accord. They knew their place, like David's mighty men said. They knew their place. They knew their rank. God can do more with people like that than just a then, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of just thrown together people that are too afraid, don't have the right heart, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. And so we were encouraged them, look, you hold a place in the spirit. Don't be concerned with these few people that have gone on to do something else. Besides, you don't know why they left. Maybe, maybe the Lord let them on. You know, we don't need to read into it and uh, start judging someone. Uh, we can just fall back and say, Hey, look, God can still accomplish by many or by few. And listen, I, you know, I'm thinking that God's going to use the few. The Bible says wide is the way broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there are that are on that road. Then he said, narrow is the way that leads to life and few that find it. We believe in you know, mass crusades. We believe in mass evangelism. We're seeing things. But listen, comparatively, few people are acknowledging Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, there are far more people that are going the way of the broad way. We don't need to be so concerned that God's not going to be able to do what he wants to do unless absolutely everybody gets involved. He will use the few. It's in the scriptures. That's a, that's that's a biblical paradigm, right there. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm this. I'm getting this through my thick skull. I want to reason and calculate and and put my hope and trust in the arm of the flesh. And God says, "Don't do that. I can do more with two than you could do with two thousand in the in the arm of the flesh." Yes, Lord. All right. Now we put the invitation out there. We want more people to get involved totally. You know, we're not stiff arming anybody, but the reality is not everybody is going to go with you. Not everybody's going to want to honor the Lord, obey him, sacrifice, do what's necessary uh, to uh, reach fullness and get over into the finish. The invitation's out there. But again, the reality is like in Gideon's story that there's more people that just haven't counted the cost. They're more afraid than maybe they realize or, the, or their hearts just aren't right. And God's not, not going to be able to use them. Wants to use them, not going to be able to. So we need to remind ourselves, listen, um, you know, uh, even with like, um, I'm thinking of Elijah and the servant who looked at the army and says, what, what? I mean, you know, he's naturally calculating everything. He's like, look at this army. We're dead meat. And the prophet said, Lord, open up his eyes that he can see there are far more with us uh, than there is with the enemy. And you know what he saw? He saw the angels. And, and so, but, but that, that, that confidence came out of a place that was developed in the spirit. By the way, the Bible tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, we're, we're, we're not talking about literal armies here. Like with, in Gideon's situation, there was a literal army. We're not talking about that although we're taking the principle from it. But our battle is against, isn't against flesh and blood because it's against principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. And so we need to realize that um, th there is a place in the spirit that we can develop ourselves to where our confidence is there, that there's a host of angelic um, support 
uh, out of that spiritual place. And even ourselves being developed there where uh, greater is he that is in us. Well, that, that is a spiritual place that we've developed. We are, we are uh, intimately aware of and intimately confident in that he will do what he said he would do. He will back us up in whatever he told us to do. His words will profit in the thing in which he sent them into. That's a spiritual place that we have to come to where we don't judge him against the natural. We're not trying to substantiate him by using a lower, a lesser, to try and substantiate the greater. Um, now, nothing wrong with numbers. Nothing wrong. And, um, you know, we're not intentionally trying to whittle ourselves down to just a few. But the greater point is we don't need to be so concerned with numbers. You know, we're thinking, man, if I just had this, you know, if we just had this many people, then we could get that done. Well, you know, in the natural, there's some truth to that. But but the Lord's saying, look, if I'm with you, I'm going to help you. There's going to be some super added to your natural. Hallelujah, somebody. We don't want to, um, you know, keep the Lord out of the equation here. Again, I know I'm repeating myself, but we can get so defined in the natural and have everything figured out, these numbers and that and math and one plus one equals two and all of this kind of stuff. And God's going, wow, you've got this figured out. Is there anything I can do? He wants to be involved. He wants to help us. Judges chapter seven, verse two, right here, the Lord said to Gideon, the, the people who are with you are too many. Hallelujah. How would you feel if the Lord said that to you? Listen, you got too many people. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what? Excuse me, Lord? Too many people? I'm not saying this is the case in every situation. What I'm saying is our hope and trust is not in the arm of the flesh. And uh, there's a consideration here that um, maybe, maybe rather than trying to be the big dog in the natural, maybe we should be the dominant presence in the spiritual place. Um. Luke 19, 13, I alluded to this, but Jesus called his servants together and he said unto them, occupy till I come. Okay, now in this story, he gave them a gift. It was money in this situation. But context, not contextually, but principally speaking, the spiritual principle we want to take out of this is Jesus is saying the same thing to us. He's saying, occupy till I come. And he's given us gifts to do it. I said what those gifts were. It is the authority and power. Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions. I've given you physical and mental strength and, and uh, ability over all the power that the enemy possesses, and nothing shall in any way harm you. That's what he's given us in order to occupy. What does occupy mean? Well, it means to have. It means to hold. It means to possess. It means to reside. It means to claim it carries the idea of a continuance of action, not just a one and done, but a consistent and persistence of action. It's not a loose grip. It's a firm possession. It would be maybe like a conviction, okay, and a devotion. Uh, it would be like an owner's mentality, right? You're just not renting or leasing. No, you own it. You own this. It means to control a place or space. So if you are in control of a place or space, the idea is that you are the dominant presence. 
you cover, you fill up and fill in the majority of the occupiable space. Again, to support the command to occupy, Jesus gave them literally, contextually, a gift. It was money in that situation. He said, do business uh, till I return. Well, the greater kind of principal point that we draw from here is uh, the master is away now, but he said to occupy or do business until he returns. We have to be watchful for, for passivity. I see a lot of passivity in the uh, church. We, we, we need to be aware not to be passive, uh, active, aggressive, uh, motivated, enthusiastic. Um, but again, where? Well, he, he dialed in. We have revelation over what is the space we're to dominate. It's not natural first. We're not dominating uh, the lives of man. He said to go in the world and preach the, or uh, go into the world and preach the gospel. We could say go into every man's world and preach the gospel. He said go into the world, but he didn't say take over every man's world. No, that's putting too much in the natural. We are to dominate the spiritual place. That's the that's the ministry, the book of Ephesians, that is the ministry that we have been given, and that is that seat, the right hand of the Father, seated, fitted, fit together in Christ. That's our place where we rule and reign from. That is our where our citizenship is. The same word translated, where's that at? In Philippians, I think it is. That same word uh, that is translated citizenship is Polit, uh, po, uh, uh, politics. So our politics, our governmental interaction, legislation, whatever you want to call it, is first and primarily a spiritual outworking. It may have a natural uh, derivative, but again, if we're trying to quantify everything just naturally, we put all of our hope and strength there, uh, we may diminish what we're actually doing here. And listen, let me say this, this too, that when Jesus said, go and tell everybody that my kingdom's come, Jesus really demonstrated a way, a strategy in which his kingdom was being progressed, and it wasn't necessarily coming in and just dominating everybody right then. Now, we, we find out that once he's united together with his bride, that he's going to come back. He's going to subdue all the kingdoms on the earth. But right now, Father's plan and will may not look like total domination the way you're trying to quantify it. Again, Jesus said, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Of course, those weren't red letters when I say Jesus said, by the Spirit, Paul had this revelation that our primary objective right now is not the total domination of the hearts of men by force. It was domination over the spiritual influences, the influencers, the dark influencers that are influencing man. Our place is to go and uh, encounter them. He said uh, uh, it's against pros, principalities, against pros. Pros means face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, nose-to-nose. It's intimate, although not sexual. It's intimate. It's very close. Like you're going to feel the breath on your face coming out of their nostrils. It's very close. And he said, that's our battle right there. Uh, not only is 
uh, Satan trying to lure you into that combat, uh, to that Pele, to that wrestle. Um, he's draw, He's trying to draw you into it. But in some instances, we are engaging in, in that warfare in order to enforce the plans and purposes of God as it concerns man. Some men do not even realize there's a battle waging for them behind the scenes. They may never know your name, but yet you contended for their spirit in the spiritual place, whether that's over a particular uh, geographic boundary, you know, um, whether it's local, um, regional, international, whatever. Um, there's some exaggerations with some of those concepts, but we know this, that um, with the Lord Jesus, the commander of the armies of heaven, I think that's the message Bible kind of uses that phraseology there, but we know that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, and he has particular assignments for us. Again, we will know nothing about that if we're not aware of that place in him, which is our origin, our citizenship, or our our politics, the, the place of origin, the heavenly Mount Zion. We're born from above. Again, that is our place that we want to develop in. What is the revelation concerning that new creation, Christ Jesus, that operates from that heavenly place? That is the entirety of the book of Ephesians. This is our calling, our vocation. He said we're to walk worthy of it. It's it's a spiritual place first. And uh, man, I'm telling you, like if you go into James 5 and we find out that the fervent, continued, continuous, persistent, consistent I added some words there, but prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. When the victory is enforced in that spiritual place, you'll watch with your eyes the natural response. The derivative would be natural. When the victory over a man's, some, some people say soul, but when the victory is enforced over a man's spirit, contended for in the spirit, that intercession made, working with Holy Spirit, giving us the prayers, uh, in groanings even, um, uh, and, and victory is enforced over a person's life or a family's life. Once you get the victory there, you can just sit and watch how the natural begins to respond to it. Now, listen, if you discount that, you can do all this kind of work. I mean, you can sit here, you can give them tracks, you can bang on their door, you can yell scripture at them, quote scripture to them. You can shove scripture at them. And I'm telling you, unless it's enforced in the spirit first, you can do all this stuff in the natural, and it may not have the results uh, that you're um, uh, after. Because, uh, again, you can put so much emphasis in the natural, in the natural, in the natural, in the natural. But if, if you're only built up there to the expense of your place in the spirit, if anything was to come against these works here, all this could be for nothing. It would look like something, but it may not be anything at all because there's something behind the quote scenes that is the most important place. It's the most important work. Listen, it's, it's, it's one reason why I don't get all um, messed up. I don't get all worked up. I don't get all confused. If we don't necessarily see things in the natural um, the way we would like to see them, couple things. Maybe we need to put a little more emphasis in our place in the spirit, in our contending spiritually. If you discount that, 
If you discount that, what you're going to do is you're going to put so much emphasis in the flesh, you're going to misstep or you're going to try to force something or control an outcome or try and manipulate an outcome. And that's just going to get you wrapped up into witchcraft. Listen, um, there was a particular lady. Her name was Gwen Shaw. She's gone on to be with the Lord now, but she had a prophetic word several, several years ago. And um, uh, the idea behind this prophetic word was some people think they have a vision for revival. Um, some people think they have a vision for the Lord to do these certain things. But the Lord was saying, no, what you actually have is a vision of the control over men's souls. And uh, I don't know if I did that justice. Let me see if I can find that uh, prophetic word really quick. Um, I didn't have that prepared ahead of time, but the idea is that if you put all, it, if, if everything's naturally based and quantified, then you might get over. I mean, you, you may think you have a vision for the Lord doing something, but what you may actually be doing is building something that just dominates or manipulates or controls man's will or attempts to. And that's devilish. Um, absolutely devilish. We need to watch out for that kind of stuff. Let me see if I can find this really quick. I don't want to spend a lot of time. Didn't find any results. All right, well, uh, let me try a different word here. I'm searching on my Facebook here, revival. Let me see. <clears throat> I'm trying to use a keyword um, to get us up. Oh, didn't find any results. Okay, well, that's odd. Um, let's see. Let me try one more keyword here and see if it brings it up. Because I, I didn't want to... Um, misquote that no it's not it's not let me see it so we got to be watchful because if 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 it's only just naturally based then we discount the spiritual work and emphasis and we don't want to do that all right let me see here we're about out of time let me leave you with a couple more thoughts here um so there there was a um, minister that uh, had asked uh, Kenneth E. Hagan. Kenneth E. Hagan was my spiritual father. He passed away, went on to be with the Lord in um, 2003. Well, that same year, this was early in 2003, he did a series of meetings at a church in California, and I know who the pastor is. And so the pastor, after one of these meetings, asked Brother Hagan a question about another ministry couple by the name of... Um, uh, James and Carmen Goodwin. Most people knew them as Mom and Pop Goodwin. And uh, this pastor asked Brother Hagen because Brother Hagen's Brother Hagen was close friends, very close with this other couple, Mom and Pop Goodwin. And they asked the question of why Dad Goodwin never built a larger facility to seat more people. Well, the facility they had only sat about two hundred people, and when they would host special meetings, they would just cram people in there. And so he was asked this question often. That's what Brother Hagen said. He said that people would ask Dad Goodwin, why don't you build a bigger building? You know, their their ministry was well known. They were popular, et cetera, et cetera. Why won't you build a bigger building? Well, Dad Goodwin had answered that question many times, and it was basically this. Well, the Lord never told him to. Well, the Lord went on to say about that situation, that the Lord was more interested in the spiritual work they were accomplishing. If you knew about Mom and Pop Goodwin, they were prayers. They had a church that demonstrated 
uh, New Testament reality, the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, they were a powerhouse ministry. And uh, the, the Lord said about them that he was more interested in the spiritual work they were accomplishing. They were able to accomplish more by being united and working together in spiritual things and places than they could have by simply being in a larger people or a larger building with more people. The Lord went on to say that they would have grown numerically. They would have grown in attendance by being in a larger building, but they would have diminished in spiritual impact. The Lord said, growth of numbers is not always enlargement. Depth is enlargement, and some have promoted numerical growth and sacrificed spiritual growth. The Lord said this, those who measure numbers as success, nothing wrong with numbers, but I'm saying if you just count and measure numbers as the sole metric of success, this, that's what the Lord says. Those who measure numbers as success have no vision to see the depth of the spirit. Man doesn't see as I see. Men who measure numbers only are bound to the natural realm and, and may never enter the depth and the movements of the spirit. We're talking about the occupy your spiritual place. That's our first priority. Now, this is what the Lord said. He said, the natural will trip you up if you lean on it. Now, I want to pause there for just a second and remind you that maybe you need a faith crisis. Maybe we have put so much in our ability to count, plan, prep, et cetera. All that's great, but maybe we need to do a checkup. Do I know who I am in Christ Jesus? Am I confident? That, you know, may, maybe if I didn't plan properly, maybe I didn't plan enough, maybe I didn't prepare enough, am I confident in my spiritual place that God will work miracles on my behalf? In fact, we were, my wife and I recently were in some uh, meetings a couple weeks ago on a Friday. And the minister said this. He said he knows people. He knows people. He's, in fact, he said he's witnessed this firsthand where they will uh, invite friends and family over, like maybe 20, 25 people, and put out empty pots and sit down and say, Father, we need a miracle. Because they just invited a bunch of people over and uh, didn't prepare any food for it and get together and say, God, we need a miracle. He's witnessed this firsthand as the Lord supernaturally uh, provided food in those pots. Now, you say, I don't believe that. Well, you may not. <laughs> I didn't say you were lying. You may not believe that. This is what I'm saying. Maybe we should develop our spiritual place. You may say, well... I'm not saying it didn't happen for them, but we may actually be implicating ourselves, myself included. We may be implicating our, ourselves that we have more trust in what we can see than in the God who can work miracles. I'm saying that um, maybe we should do a test, a checkup. Maybe we need to find out, have I 
is everything that surrounds me only connected with a natural reality or have I prioritized that spiritual place? My first, listen, I am not a body. I am a spirit. I'm not a mind floating in the ethers. I am a spirit. The Bible says that I'm born from above. My heavenly home is the heavenly Mount Zion. That's my, that's where my citizenship is. That's where my politics is. That's where my legislation originates from. That is my spiritual calling. That is my spiritual work. Maybe we just need to check up and say, have I developed that? Have I prioritized that? Here's what the Lord said. The natural will trip you up if you lean on it. The natural has obsessed many of my anointed ministers, and in doing so, they have missed the steps that would have led them deeper and further into me. Listen, friends, we cannot forget that the realm of the Spirit is the realm where the dominion is. That's the realm where the answers are. Listen, thank you for tuning in today. I hope that you heard something today. Nothing wrong with having that tangible, um, natural reality. The problem is, is, is that where all of our hope, trust, and confidence is. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, again, we're coming into the, hol- the holiday season. If you know of somebody that would be blessed by one of these podcast episodes, and the only way they can get to it is if they had a CD, it would be our honor to get the word to them. Listen, friends, the Lord told us, don't seek to get your name out there. Seek to get the word out there. Again, you'll know if something we've said, taught on, ministered on would be a blessing to somebody. It would be our honor to get the word to them. Hallelujah. Reach out to us and we'll just mail them a CD at no charge. Hey, thank you again. Listen, uh, if you need some prayer, we'd love to pray with you. You can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get back with you. Or you can send an email to hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Listen, we're so honored that you have been a part of the podcast. I know we have some faithful supporters, contributors, listeners, uh, we, we call them partners. Our, my first request is prayer partnership. Pray for us. Contend with us that the word will get to the right hearers. But then there's some financial uh, costs associated with this. If you'd like to participate in that way, several ways you can do that. You can go to our website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give right there. Uh, select the drop down menu, select the podcast. Or if you are in the United States, you can text to give using your cell phone. 84321. That's 84321. Follow the prompts. Or you can mail a check to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Listen, I really enjoyed today. Thank you so much. And until next time, be blessed.